Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Draw Control Podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by grad student uh, from the Stanford Women's Lacrosse Team, Madison McPherson. Um, in her lacrosse career, Madison earned second team All Big Ten honors, was the Big Ten Midfielder of the Week, made the Big Ten All Tournament Team, and was on the IWC. IWLCA academic honor roll twice and was a Big Ten Distinguished Scholar. Before college, Madison was a two-time MVP for her high school as well. I'm super excited to have her on today. So welcome to the Draw Control Podcast, Madison McPherson. How's everything going? Going good. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to have you on as well. And I think it's best to start off the podcast sort of talking about the upcoming season and your time with Stanford so far. So uh, obviously, you recently transferred there this past summer. Uh, what made you want to enter the portal and use your extra your eligibility somewhere else? And how did you end up committing to Stanford for this upcoming season? Yeah, so there's like a, a lot of reasons, I would say, that I ended up at Stanford. I mean, I knew that I if I was going to take my fifth year, I think I needed to go somewhere else just so that I could have a new experience, like a different experience. Um, I had like a list of things that I wanted. I wanted to be warm. I wanted to go like to a different conference. I wanted the same level of academics as Hopkins. So high caliber academic school. Obviously I wanted lacrosse to be extremely competitive, either like at the same level as a big 10 or better. Um, so all those things kind of combined and then brought me to Stanford and, when I was looking at, you know, my options, I, once I visited here, I was like, oh my gosh. And once I met Danielle and the girls and everything, I was like, I have to be here. And if it's not Stanford, then I was not sure that I wanted to do my fifth year at all, actually. So I, yeah, it was just a matter of getting in and yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. Um, What's, does Stanford take a lot of transfers on their lacrosse team or is it mostly freshmen? So no, I, from what I've heard, like being here, I mean, at least in Danielle's time, I'm the first transfer. I think it's just, it's challenging with the department because they don't hold space for transfers, basically. It's kind of like hard, but yeah, they don't hold space basically. So you really just have to have a really like strong application basically, and then kind of I don't know. It gets figured out. But yeah, so in my time, at least and from what they've told me, I'm the first one, at least for quite some time. But yeah, that's really awesome, because I know in a lot of high caliber academic universities like Cornell and Harvard, I don't think they allow grad transfers. So I think I thought that was pretty unique uh, for you to go to a place like Stanford, which I would say is pretty similar to some of those Ivy League schools. Definitely, definitely. (laughs) Now, has there been any adjustment you've had to make uh, being new on the team, especially not being being new, but not being a freshman, I guess, is the best way I could say it. And how have you tried to get to know everybody and learn the team systems? Is it a little bit different than uh, John Hopkins or pretty much the same stuff? There are differences, but then there are also similarities. Um, I think in terms of like getting to know the team and the girls, that's like the easiest part. Like, we came early. So we had three weeks where we were living in the dorms on campus just as a team. And we just had practice and conditioning and all that stuff. And we like, like no classes just for hanging out. So I think that really helped, but I mean, the girls were just, they've been the best part, just like so welcoming, so easy to um, slip into the team. And I think I, I don't really know if 
honestly, the biggest adjustment is that I'm far away from my immediate family. And I think that's what most people experience kind of like coming to the West Coast is just like the distance between your physical blood family. But I think it makes it a lot easier for these girls to feel like my family as well, just because we're all we have when we're here. So, you know, you when you have troubles like that, these are the people that you go to. It's not like I can just call mom up, like call my mom up and have her come down and, you know, rescue me. So, yeah. We had a sister that played at Denver. So she probably know a little bit about what that's like from talking with her. I would imagine. Yes, definitely. She was actually one of the biggest proponents of me taking a fifth year somewhere else because she saw how incredible it was for her to go to a new team, go to a new state, new coast, and just kind of, um, assimilate and she had so much success last year that it was like Madison like if you're thinking about going somewhere else you should just you should just take the leap and do it and you're gonna have such a great experience and she was right so (laughs) yeah well what's fall ball been like uh from your perspective what have you taken away from the games uh you've played so far fall ball has been awesome I think as a team we've done really well we found a lot of success we you know went undefeated in all of our games this fall we had some East Coast competition as well, which was good for us because on the West, you kind of end up playing like similar teams a lot just because there's less, I guess. Um, but we biggest thing was we just were consistent. And I think that was something that was really awesome for us. We were consistent. We grinded. We worked hard and we just had a lot of fun, too. Like, I think every game was just so much fun. And I think that's been a theme of my fifth year, I just want it to be full of joy and it has been so far. So, yeah. Now, what were some of the things that you want to work on individually for this upcoming season and how'd you do that during the off season or if you were there during the summer? I'm just curious about that because obviously after four years of lacrosse, especially with the success that you've had individually, you probably think like, oh man, there's probably not a lot of things I really need to improve on, but I assume you would have found some stuff in your game uh, just to improve on and tweak and get better so I'm curious what that was like for you yeah there's there's always stuff to work on I think for me one of my biggest focuses was I was transitioning position so I came in as a midfielder transitioned to defense I played defense in my senior year at Hopkins as well but I um think like that's always an adjustment when you like switch positions from playing all over the field and being really like trying to focus on being offensive minded and defensive minded and then just transitioning to like it's just defense so I think that's always an adjustment something I'm working on and then I don't know I feel like a lot of my I'm working on becoming more like versatile with my stick I would say just because I think I'm a very, you know, classic player, I would say, like just kind of straight up and down, no trick shots, like we're not throwing anything crazy, no BTBs, <laughs> but the girls here are huge with that. And I think it makes us really dangerous. So I'm definitely trying to up my stick and just be better in that area, like being comfortable enough to throw a BTB, you know, so that'd be awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's what I'm working on. It seems like a lot more players are becoming more creative, at least attacking players. So that's something I feel like that's important to work on that yeah. maybe some defenders might not realize. Definitely, definitely. Who's like the most uh, creative player on your team? I have to imagine it's Annabelle Frist, but <laughs> Love especially, especially with the Nike lacrosse commercials she's been doing now. So, <laughs> Oh, of course. Did you see what she released this morning? 
It's I sick. did not. I just saw some of the teaser advertisements. I think it's pretty cool because oh. I had her on the podcast this summer. I'm like, man, I, I just interviewed a Nike player. That's pretty sick. She's insane. She just, you should go on Instagram. She just released like a little mini video of her. It's like her shooting with the new stick that they're releasing or whatever. Super cool. But actually, I'm going to say the craftiest player, or I don't there's so many, but I'm going to say Ailish Kelly probably. And I feel like Riley Bouvier, it's really crafty as well so I think I don't know they're all so good but they're the first people that came to my mind in terms of like they'll mm-hmm. just throw something crazy like consistently like in practice every day it's like b2b between the legs something crazy and I'm just like how do you do that <laughs> now obviously what is your team's goals and expectations for this upcoming season last year of the Pac-12 I'm assuming this is your last year of eligibility so probably want to end it off on a positive note winning that last Pac-12 championship of ever I think so yeah <laughs> yeah we definitely have goals in terms of um competition like we but I would say our main goals revolve around culture and um consistency like just being the most consistent team that we can be and most competitive team that we can be while also having the most positive culture like in the team. Um, so I think those are like two main goals. And then obviously like it would be incredible to end on like the last year of the Pac-12 before we transition to the ACC and just like being those Pac-12 championships going really far in the tournament, obviously like those are, I feel like those are goals for every program pretty much so. So I would say mainly just being us, being consistent, like doing our thing, being competitive, being great. So I now want to transition and talk about the beginning of your career and sort of work all the way up to where you've been since last year with Hopkins. So obviously you're from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, Just talk about growing up there and how you start playing lacrosse. I know it's a hotbed, but I'm just curious how you got into it particularly. Yeah. So my dad is originally from Chicago. My mom's from Virginia Beach, and neither of them had any idea what lacrosse was until we moved to Maryland. Um, I'm actually like from a little bit outside of Baltimore, so I'm from Catonsville, but we were playing like me and my older sister. We always played on the same teams because we're so close in age, and it was just easier for my parents to shuttle us to sports practices and stuff. So we were playing soccer because, you know, obviously people know about soccer we were playing soccer and then one of the parents come up to my dad and they're like your girls like they would be so good at lacrosse you should you should throw them in you throw them on one of the teams and they were like okay you know whatever they're active they want to play everything so they threw us in and then we had a really close family friend her name's Katie Crest Irby but she used to play at Duke um won the Touraton like a while ago but she was a really close family friend and she also was like, your girls, like, th- come on, like they would be so good. So a lot of, she helped us get into Skywalkers as well and just suggested like those programs for us. Um, and then we just kind of ran with it once we got better and better, but yeah. Was she your favorite player growing up? Cause that was my <laughs> next question uh, was who was your favorite player you liked watching growing up? I would say her and then also Taylor Thornton because it was really amazing to see a person of color that was really successful at a high level. Like the lacrosse world is, hasn't always been dumb. Like, I don't know, there's just not a a ton of diversity. It's getting better, but growing up there was next to no like players of color. 
Um, so I think watching her play and seeing how good she was as well and how much success she had at Northwestern was like really inspiring as a young black player. So, yeah. Now, before college, you have probably had one of the most unique experiences I've ever read about. You went to the American International School of Lusaka. Uh, mm-hmm. So talk about your experience there. I guess first off the field, because it said that you lived in the Philippines and Zambia during your time there. So it obviously must have been a lot different than pretty much any high school experience I can think of. Yeah. So we started off in Manila, Philippines, and I went to the international school in Manila. And then so I was there for my freshman and sophomore year. And then we moved to Zambia, which is in southern Africa. And we were there for my last two years of high school. And that was the American International School of Lusaka. Um, Off the field, I feel like those were the most enriching experiences of my entire life. And I am so grateful for them because they definitely made me the person that I am and just experiencing so many different cultures, so many different people. It really taught me the value of life outside of lacrosse. And I think it gave me a lot of perspective just in terms of like lacrosse is not the only thing that's important. And I think sometimes growing up in Maryland, growing up in Catonsville, where like it can really feel like lacrosse is like the only thing in life was it was definitely a shift. Um, And so I think it made me and molded me into a person that cared more about like what was happening on the field. Like I really wanted to go to a school where it was well-rounded. I wanted to go where um, I could find success academically, you know, socially. Like it wasn't just about do they win a bunch of national championships all the time? So I think, yeah. But anyways, all that to say, off the field in those countries, incredible experience. I miss it all the time um, and I'm so grateful for it. So I feel like a lot of people have sort of their own perspective of what they think the Philippines and Zambia is like. Is it yeah. accurate to that or is it completely different? Because I remember Trevor Noah had a funny, I think I've oh stand up at where he talked about escalators. I don't know if it was, I forgot what country he was talking about, but yeah. I just thought it was funny, but he was mentioning like how people think Africa like is a certain way, but it's really not. It's much more developed than people oh, yeah. think it is, especially here in the U.S. I'm just oh, curious yeah. what your experience was like there, if it, if that's accurate or not. Um, I definitely think that people don't have a great idea of what actually these countries are like. I mean, Zambia and the Philippines were two of the most beautiful places in the entire world to me. Um, And there's so much development, there's so much culture, there's so much um, promise in both places, both countries. Um, And I think, I think, yeah, people have a very narrow mindset of what happens outside of this country. And it's hard because you gain so much from like experience and not everyone has like the means or, um, you know, a way to travel to those places. Like, I mean, it's expensive to get to Africa. It's it's expensive to get to Asia. But um, I definitely think when people go, they're going to be like so enriched and they're going to find so much perspective and um, incredible culture. That's just it's so beautiful and so incredible. So. Yeah, I I would say the perspective is definitely warped, but it's getting better, I think, as like people educate more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the lacrosse like there? And what did you take away from your experience uh, playing there as well? Because obviously you had a lot of success that uh, translated to you being recruited by Division I schools. 
Yeah. So I actually, I did not play when I was overseas. I would come back in the summer and play for Skywalkers, but I really just like played other sports. I played basketball, I played soccer, I ran track. Like we did a little touch rugby in the Philippines, like anything and everything, but lacrosse. And I really would just come back in the summers. And to most people, like that probably sounds insane and it kind of is, but I think it was beneficial for me just because I didn't get burnt out. Like I, when I would come back in the summer, it was like awesome. Like I loved it. I missed my teammates. I missed the sport. And it wasn't like this constant, like, oh, you're playing like 24 seven when you're 11 years old, which sometimes is just a bit much. I think like it can be a bit, a bit much. Um, so I think yeah. So when I was there, I did not play at all in the Philippines. They had like a small, like club, like national team that me and my sister coached for a few times, but we never like played with them or anything. And it was only like two or three times. Um, so yeah, a lot of my training was just in the summers and then like doing stuff on my own while I was there. So how so obviously you played for Skywalkers, which is a big time club lacrosse program, but how do you get recruited by John Hopkins only playing club lacrosse in the summer times? And just talk about how Skywalkers you think helped prepare you for that um opportunity. Yeah. I I owe so much to Skywalkers. I love Skywalkers. My teammates um from that team are like some of my favorite people. They've all been like they were so important in terms of like pushing me to reach my potential um, in training. I think Skywalkers like made me so mentally tough. I feel like that was the biggest aspect. Obviously, like there was a lot of a lacrosse IQ that was learned from playing there, but mentally, I think they prepared me the best for college and just like the ups and downs and, you know, your career being tough and like grinding on conditioning and like hot summer days, just like it being a grind. Um, but I think, um, Yeah, I think they prepared me so well. And I, in terms of recruiting, it actually really helped weed out programs that I didn't want to play for because if the coach wasn't going to continue to have a great relationship with me while I was overseas, it wasn't a program that I wanted to play for anyways, because I need, I needed to know that like when I got to that school, it was about more than just like, okay, I'm going to watch you for practice and then we're going to leave and I'm not going to have a a relationship with you. Um, So it was really important to me, like, wow, like this coach is staying in contact with me, even though I'm thousands of miles away and they can only see me for two months in the summer. Um, But I think it honestly worked out because most of the recruiting happens anyways at those like tournaments. And then there's like a few in the fall, a few coaches might come to your games at your high school, but like I guess when I was getting recruited, it wasn't as much of that, but yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I still feel like it's probably a little bit different now because with the rule change and everything, yeah. I feel like po- coaches want to see probably more, I yeah. guess, game scope just because they have such little time to recruit players now, which is a good thing because players, right. I feel like, shouldn't be getting recruited as yeah. a 14-year-old freshman, which was pretty insane that I was getting to that level at that point. But mm-hmm. Now let's talk about your career with John Hopkins. So as a freshman, what was it like uh, playing in the Big Ten and just the competition you faced each game? And what was sort of like the biggest things that stood out to you uh, that you had to adjust to pretty quickly um, in that year? Yeah. So my freshman year was COVID and we never I never played in a Big Ten game because the season got canceled before. 
Big Ten play. Um, so just had like non-conference and like games and stuff like that. And obviously it was still a huge adjustment. I mean, like, I think the biggest thing was just like pace of play and um, how great the other girls on my team were. And um, obviously my older sister was there at the time, which was so helpful for me because I, I mean, I think like mentally it was just, it was challenging. Like it's challenging for everyone, but when you're like new and I hadn't played lacrosse every day since I, I mean, in years because I was overseas. So I think, um, that really was the biggest like adjustment. Yeah. And obviously COVID happened, like you mentioned your freshman year, how did you handle the challenge of having your season cut short and also the challenge of not knowing when games were going to happen again? Cause that was sort of the thing that I remember the most, or at least the thing that brought me the most anxiety at that time was like, when are we just going to finally start getting back to normal and all that stuff? And I'm assuming you face similar challenges with, with regarding that. And how did you just, I guess, handle it? I guess, like you mentioned, though, it's really helpful that you had someone on the team, like in your house, which not yeah. many people got to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think mostly during that time period, I felt so, I felt for our seniors the most, obviously. Like, I think, I mean, most athletes during that time, I'm sure like we all experienced very similar like emotions, just being like crushed that everything you work for, you know, you don't get to have that experience um, no matter what age, but I really was just crushed for our seniors, um, especially because at that time we didn't know if we would get eligibility back. So, you know, seniors were literally thinking that their career had just ended on a random Wednesday. It was actually the day before my birthday. So it was like a random Thursday. (laughs) And then, um, but I think getting through the experience, I actually found a lot of peace in the quarantine period, like just being with my family. We had so much fun. Like I'm grateful that I have a family that I really am close with and two sisters that I'm just like my best friends. So we spend so much time together and we just like had the best time driving state to state because there was no traffic. We were like running around in the woods. It was just so weird, but like <laughs> true. And it was just fun. Um, so yeah, I think I just like rode the wave, you know, whatever mm-hmm. was happening was happening. We were gonna figure it out. I mean pandemic couldn't last forever and it didn't. So that was just what we held on to and hoped, you know, I'm glad somebody had a good quarantine experience because <laughs> I hated it so much. I, oh, no. it was just, it was bad. And you just, at some points, like, I just want, I just, can we, we have to find a way to, I guess, live yeah. with this thing. Cause like, I can't be here every day, all day. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it messes with your mind a little bit. Oh, um, for sure. I'll never forget the first sporting event I went to October 2021 it was like one of the best days ever and I still remember vividly just having some form of normalcy back it was the most appreciative I've ever been in my life to have that experience again and I feel like the thing I learned the most was not taking things for granted because I was a senior in high school when that happened so like my high school career and all my friends and stuff that was just gone like in March which I would have never thought would happen so it's just pretty crazy how things can change so fast and I think it's just like you mentioned, sort of appreciating those those small moments in in your life. Now let's skip back to your lacrosse career now. So um, as a sophomore, you played in your first ever tournament game against James Madison. Um, even though you didn't win that game, what was that experience like for you? I'm assuming sophomore year probably felt more like your freshman year, sort of getting those <laughs> game experiences and uh, just learning about what it's like being a, a collegiate lacrosse player as well. Yeah, that was that 
that game was, you know, I think all the games are fun. I mean, there's a few that haven't been fun in my career. Like, yeah, but um, most of them are fun. And I think that game specifically, I enjoyed, I was coming back from a concussion, so I had to miss the Big Ten tournament. So I was obviously sad about that, but I was happy to just like have another chance to play with my team. Obviously, that was also my sister's senior year. So that was the last game we ever played together. Um, and we both like were playing defense. So it was like definitely bittersweet because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the last game I'll ever play with my big sister. Like who I had no idea what she was going to do and, you know, with her fifth year or whatever. Um, so I think it was bittersweet, but it was also fun to like see the difference in the NCAA tournament and like how things go and just what the experience was like. It was great, but bittersweet. And between your sophomore year and junior year, from the time, I guess, reading the statistics from my perspective, <laughs> it seemed like you improved significantly. Uh, what would you say is like the biggest improvement you've made to your game in college, specifically between those years that led to the success that you had on the field? Because obviously your junior and senior year, you started getting more accolades uh, defensively, and it seemed like you were getting more, uh, starting more games as well. Yeah, my between my sophomore and junior year, the biggest transition was just like confidence. And then also I moved positions again. Like I, I really only played defensive mid my freshman, sophomore year. And then junior year, there was just like a gap because of people that we had graduated. So they needed like, you know, more in the midfield in terms of like offensive production. So I was just asked to do more and like a role was just kind of like, you know, expected like you know you step into upperclassman role and it's like people expect more of you coaches expect more of you um but I think the biggest transition was just confidence in my offensive ability because I was always confident in my defensive ability but offensively I just had to work a lot harder I would say to like find success um and then just getting the confidence from my teammates and my coaches as well I think really helped like with the production in terms of like statistics like just them being them instilling the confidence in me and telling me, you know, take it to the goal every time. Like you're so, you're so talented. You're such a great Dodger, like take it every time. And then me just listening and doing those things. So, yeah. Now, how do you balance academics and lacrosse at a high level? Cause obviously you're really smart and you have some awards to approve that as well. Um, I guess, how do you sort of balance that? Cause I, I struggle just to balance my academics without having to play a sport. And I couldn't imagine what it's like uh, being a division one athlete and doing that as well. Yeah, I would say the main things are first, I prioritize like my rest. I am huge on resting. Like if I need to go to bed and shut the computer and wait till tomorrow to do something, I will. And then leaning on like your your village like your teammates your coaches your academic advisors the people that are there who are also either experiencing the same things or you know there to help you with through that um and then just time management like being as disciplined as you can be in terms of scheduling okay this needs to get done today in order to finish this assignment later so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i guess i need to take some of that advice because i'll be staying up and <laughs> two in the morning getting stuff done. So maybe oh, no. that's, maybe that's why I struggle a little bit sometimes, but luckily, yeah. luckily I don't have to take like math and English anymore. Those were the two most challenging subjects for me, but you know, you still, it's still college. It's still tough. So, it is, yeah. um, 
But let's talk about your senior year now. So what type of leadership did you want to bring to the team as a senior? Um, I'm curious if you're more a vocal leader or lead by example type of player. I would say in my underclassmen years, I was definitely more like head down, grind, like lead by example, just play really hard. And then upperclassmen, I transitioned into like becoming more of a vocal leader because I had to. And I and I found my voice more, I think, as the years went on, which I think is a very natural progression that will probably happen to most people. But yeah, I would say like my senior year, I was definitely a vocal leader. Junior year, I would also say I was like pretty vocal, um, but still first and foremost leading by example, because your voice, honestly, your voice doesn't like really matter if you don't lead by example, because then it's like, well, why would I listen to you? So I think that was always my priority is leading by example, but then knowing that, okay, your voice needs to be heard right now is also really important. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember the Michael Jordan documentary, obviously he's a very hard leader on his teammates, but he said, I would never ask my teammates something that I myself wouldn't do. And I just thought that was probably the best part of the documentary, sorting how hard he worked to be the great player he was and how he was hard on his teammates as well. Maybe a little bit too much to a certain extent, but obviously (laughs) it led to a lot of success. And you see that with other great athletes like Tom Brady. So I think, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, I think the example, you gotta prove that to your teammates first before you start being vocal, like you mentioned. Now you're this, you're John Hopkins this past season or this past season start very up and down from my perspective, but then down the stretch, you guys beat some, ranked opponents like Michigan and Penn State uh, before being upset by Rutgers in the Big Ten playoffs, probably not one of those games that you liked a lot. Um, But despite all of that, you did get your first ever tournament win against UMass. Uh, Just talk about that win and sort of what it meant, not just for your team, but for yourself after everything you've gone through with COVID and uh, just um, as a lacrosse athlete to finally win your first tournament game must have meant a lot to you. Yeah, it was definitely awesome. I think the biggest thing that I felt was just like more time with the people that I love, because at that point I also knew that I wasn't coming back to Hopkins. So cherishing just like every minute, every moment of every game, because I knew like, this is the last time I'll play with these people probably. So I think winning that game, obviously great for the program. Um, Something that we always knew was within us. We just had struggled to do. Um, But most of all, just like knowing that it got me one more game with, you know, my best friends, the people that had, you know, inspired so much of my career and had been with me for so long. So, yeah. And unfortunately, your time with John Hopkins came to a close after losing to Syracuse in the tournament. How have you reflected on that loss since then? And what will you overall take away from your lacrosse experience with John Hopkins being at Stanford now, looking back on it as well? I think, um, Reflecting on the loss, I mean, obviously it sucks to lose. Nobody likes to lose, but I think it was great to play against a great team like Syracuse. I mean, we didn't experience a ton of ACC competition being at Hopkins. So I think like that was really cool. Like you always want to play against the best players and the best teams and the ACC has some of those teams. So I think that was really awesome. And I just was like, amen, like we're here, we're going to, work our hardest and I think you know being able to play against the best players is what you hope for as an athlete at this level and then transitioning like taking that experience in I think 
again, the main thing that I take away, it's less about like the wins and the losses and like, you know, the the nitty gritty of lacrosse aspects, but more just like the feeling and the experience and how like every moment with your teammate matters so much. And it, it does come to an end at some point, whether you win the national championship or you lose in the first or second round, like it all comes to an end. So just cherish it, be where your feet are, love the experience and just like enjoy playing. So, yeah. And obviously you loved your experience with John Hopkins. I know you're going to miss those blue jerseys though. Those were <laughs> probably the best jerseys in uh, lacrosse in my opinion. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Hey, I mean, the, I love the jerseys as well. I love, I love the red as well, though. I'll, I'll have to say it. <laughs> the maroon does look nice. I won't lie. You've, <laughs> you're pretty lucky. You've gotten to play in one of the better jersey games, I guess, in lacrosse. So you can ha- hold that. You can uh, brag that to your friends and all that stuff. So um, let's transition now to a segment I like to call the non-lacrosse segment, where I hopefully get to know you a little bit more off the field. And you, I can answer some of these questions as well if you need time to think about your answer. But uh, the first one is, if there's a movie made about your life, uh, who would you want to play yourself? Okay, this is hard, but I think I would go with Taylor Russell. She is in that, like, it's that creepy movie with Timothy Chalamet, like Bones and all. I haven't seen it, but I think, like, she just the vibe her vibe it's giving mm-hmm. it's giving what i would want so yeah <laughs> she's dating uh harry styles now right is she i thought i read somewhere where that happened that's where i, I recognized okay. the name a little bit so um, okay. i probably should know her more than just her dating history but i just i thought that that's the only, that's the only time i've heard about her yeah. i guess i always pick ryan reynolds but i guess i'll pick timothy chalamet for this answer just because right. why not <laughs> I think it'd be cool to have him be in another movie with her as well if they yeah. end up making one about her during the podcasting scene. So <laughs> now it's the holiday season. So what is your favorite holiday song and what's your least favorite one? Oh, oh gosh. Favorite holiday song? Maybe like I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. That's just like, I feel like carries good childhood memories and it's just, it's a funny song. I like it. So I would say that least favorite uh i don't think i have like a least favorite like there's nothing that i'm like oh turn that off yeah Yeah. i'd say my favorite's probably last christmas that's always a banger and then (laughs) my least favorite and it's not like i hate the song i just think it's so hilariously bad is wonderful christmas time by paul mccartney okay i'm a huge beatles fan i think he's one of the best songwriters of all time but just the song is just like so bad and like just the (laughs) funny it's just funny thinking about one of the best musicians of all time making a song like that and just just the beats it's just not for me but it's fun to listen to i I have a weird love-hate relationship with that song so that's what i would pick that's fair that's fair (laughs) now speaking of holidays what's the most overrated holiday and what's the most underrated one overrated this is gonna this is gonna be unpopular but thanksgiving and underrated like either like easter or saint patrick's day (laughs) yeah i'm with easter that's a good underrated one overrated for me is probably halloween because as a kid like um the best part about halloween is trick-or-treating and after a kid you can't do that anymore and i just want to compare it well i can i'm a it just it's just i would look ridiculous doing it uh with my deep voice and everything but (laughs) um i would say that it just feels to me like 
it's like taking away the giving gifts of Christmas mm. after once you become an adult, like it's just not the same. You took the best part of the holiday out. So that's why I would okay. say Halloween's a bit overrated, but okay. Thanksgiving's one of my favorite holidays. So I'm with you on why you're surprised about that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next non-lacrosse question I have is, this is, this is going to be an answer I'm curious to hear from you because I think you have not just, and I mean this seriously, I don't think you have the best off the field style, not just on Stanford, but entire women's D1 lacrosse. I think you have the best style and all that. So besides yourself, who is the second best, who has the second best style on the Stanford women's lacrosse team? That's a great question. Honestly, they all dress so cool. I think, I don't know if it's like the California vibe or whatever, but I'm going to, oh man. Okay. Off the top of my head, first people that come to mind, Aaron Schaefer and Sophia McMahon. But I will say everyone just has like cool style for different reasons. Like there's the athleisure girlies. Like those girls always look so great when they have their biker shorts and their combo on. But then there's like the streetwear girls. Then there's, you know, the out on the town girls. So I think Everyone has different, like there's different people I'd pick for different categories, but off the top of my head, probably those two people. Yeah. But there's so many. I don't know. <laughs> would you say, which style would you say you have? Because I feel like you would probably ensemble all of those styles being from all around the world. So that we're just going to go with that. I think <laughs> it, it depends on the occasion, obviously. I think I naturally lean more towards like a, a chill, like streetwear type of style. Um, but we can do something different at all times. You know, yeah. it's just about what are we, what are we doing? Where are we going? All yeah. right. <laughs> well, it's also cool that you live in California because it's much warmer. So you can wear sort of whatever yeah. you want, where in Maryland, it's kind of like in January, you got to, everyone sort of has to wear the same Bundle thing. Up. So, but yeah. <laughs> I got to improve in my style. I just wear the same stuff pretty much every day, but oh, would you say, no. uh, <laughs> would you say it's the best style on John Hopkins then? Oh, okay. Current or like graduated? Well, if it's graduated, it's probably going to be your sister. So it's, I mean, yes, she is great style, but I think there are other people I'd also pick from, but I could do both current, I guess, graduate as well. (sighs) Okay. Graduate Mia Farnella. Um, she was one year above me, so she's between me and Trinity, but um, Mia Farnella, she just always looks like so cool. I think it's like style is the best when you like look different. Like mm-hmm. it's not just like what everyone wears all the time. Um, but then in terms of like current, oh, I'm really trying to think of like what they would all wear. Maybe like is it one Mary of the younger players? Or oh, okay. Abby. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have great closets. Always yeah. want to them. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> no, I truly mean it. I, I I only see what is posted on the team yeah. social media accounts, but I thought it was the John Hopkins jerseys because I think those look great. But then when Stanford posts the fall ball jerseys, I'm like, nope. I think it's pretty much confirmed that Madison has one of the best styles in all of women's college lacrosse. So I just wanted to give you a shout out on the podcast for that. So thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, one more non-lacrosse question for you is, what's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Oh. Mm. Maybe, like, oh, man. 
most interesting thing I've seen, probably the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the like new Hunger Games movie. Watch that again. I've seen it twice now. Interesting thing I've read. I mean, I also read that book, but probably something nerdy like that I had to read for a class, like a research paper or something, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Actually, okay, shameless nerdy plug, but we were learning about how in this research study that one of my professors is like spearheading how they're using AI now to read um, CT scans for the heart. And it was just really cool because they were reading like thousands of scans with AI and it allowed this study to be able to like go to fruition basically, which is really cool because that wouldn't have happened like even 10 years ago. So AI is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, AI is interesting because I saw a, a news uh, story about it yesterday where it was talking about how it's going to eventually like help people find drugs and cures for certain oh. diseases like Alzheimer's sure. and uh, cancer and stuff like that. So yeah. part of me is like, I don't like it because I feel like from a creative perspective, it could like take away some of that where it's sure. like writing songs or movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but also from like a health perspective, it is beneficial because it could help um, make people's lives uh, longer, which I think oh, yeah. is important as well. So it's, I think it's a weird sort of conversation, like how much of it should we use and how much of it should we sort of scale back on? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, I guess for me, probably just like uh, learning about the baseball salary cap system, just because um, I'm very interested to see where Shohei Otani ends up signing. Because uh, mm. he might be the first player to make over $500 million in free agency. Um, wow. And it, that just fascinates me a little bit because dream job would probably just be like a agent or GM of some sort of professional team. I think that would be a lot of fun. So oh. I just like reading stuff about that, that I think mo- most people wouldn't care enough. At least most sports fans yeah. wouldn't care enough about. So <laughs> no, that's cool. Well, getting back to some of lacrosse questions now, uh, what should we done to help grow women's uh, lacrosse from your perspective? I definitely think we need more like national like television slots because I even think about now being on the West Coast because ACC Big Ten I think most of the time you'll have like a couple you know televised games but Pac-12 Big East like my sister um, they rarely get televised like last season I remember talking to some parents and how I mean Denver went to the final four And the first time they watched them live or like on TV was in the final four. And it's just like crazy because that wouldn't happen in other conferences, I think, but, or in other sports, honestly. So I think just more televised so that people Mm -hmm. can see it and just like, see what it's about. Cause normally when people see it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I want to watch more, but if it's never televised or anything, you know, it's, it's hard to do much Mm -hmm. about that, especially for teams like, over here where people aren't as big into the lacrosse world. Um, So, yeah. An answer that you gave early in this interview that sort of caught my attention was how you talked about Taylor Thornton and sort of the inspiration that she had for you uh, being one of the few black players that you could look up to. So in my opinion, I think one thing that could be done, help grow lacrosse just in general, not just for women's is making it uh, more diverse because I think a lot of people don't realize how important it is to see someone on the field that looks like them and how it can inspire them to want to play. That's why I think um, why you're so amazing, why so many other athletes are amazing, just because I think that's super important to make lacrosse more diverse. I'm not sure how you would do that. Probably try to introduce it in 
different areas around the country, not just sort of, because it seems more like an East Coast sport. So probably introducing it to different areas and uh, just trying to make it more diverse. And I think uh, the more people that play it and the more different types of people that play it is obviously going to help grow the sport uh, even bigger, which I think is important. Uh, So that was just sort of an answer that caught my eye that I think would be important. But if you can, if you want to elaborate more on that, you can, because you would obviously know more about it than I would. I 100% agree. This is like something I'm super interested just in general is like inequities just in general but I think um in the lacrosse world like the sport itself is it's expensive like you can buy a soccer ball and that's all you need like you know you need a soccer ball you can get like a beat up pair of cleats and like you're good but a lacrosse stick alone you know the shaft is like five hundred dollars the head is like another you know couple hundred dollars so it's it's an expensive sport which is unfortunate just because of like the equipment and things like that but I think we can be better at like making it more accessible in that way and just like giving more to those groups I mean um yeah so I think just like making it more financially accessible first of all but then also like you were saying just like having people going into the communities that aren't the classic like okay I'm going to this space where these people already know, you know, these things about lacrosse, like they already have the means, but going into areas where, you know, lacrosse could actually be like a lifeline for so many different people, just like sports get so many people out, so many people out of, you know, really challenging situations and it's their way out. So I think it can be the same in in the lacrosse world. It just needs more amplification, which I think something like this even is really great. Just like interviewing people from not the classic, like same mainstream teams that you see all the time, or just like getting those girls from different divisions, even and interviewing them. I think it's awesome. So this is yeah. even an example. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. And obviously, <laughs> like like you mentioned, for like not just the stick, but in men's lacrosse, the helmet and pads. Oh like, my gosh, yeah. That's it adds more money if you have a son that wants to play as well. So <laughs> Um, I could just, I can't imagine how much that costs, but yeah. I appreciate the kind words. And yeah, part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is. Uh, just to promote women's lacrosse, one thing that I noticed just from watching the sport for the short amount of time that I have is it seems like, and I'm not saying this is like a bad thing, but it seems like certain players on certain teams get all the media coverage and then <laughs> the rest of the teams, like no one really talks anything about. Mm-hmm. And like you could see a cool player like yourself. Mm-hmm. I assume you walk you walk by so many people every day and they don't even know that you probably <laughs> play lacrosse, which I think is pretty yeah. crazy. <laughs> So I think in just doing this to help give you a chance to talk about your career so other lacrosse players can hear it. And hopefully that can help the platform grow. So even more cool Definitely. players like yourself can do that. And that's why I've been trying to interview players from a bunch of different teams and different conferences and different divisions. Like you mentioned, uh, it's always fun interviewing those division two and three players because they yeah. have unique stories that uh, I think people won't would never know about. So I'm glad that the impact that I want to have this platform on is having the impact, I guess, that that you said it has, which means a lot yeah. to me. So I want to say thank you for that. Of course. <laughs> well, uh, Madison, this was super fun. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Before uh, we end things off, do you have any shout outs you want to give uh, to any <laughs> of your family members, teammates, <laughs> and friends? And uh, who should we have on the podcast next? <laughs> shout out all the girls. I love them all. <laughs> and I miss... I miss the Hopkins girls. I love the Stanford girls. I think they're all just like such incredible people that have shaped me in my career, but who you should interview interview next, definitely Trinity McPherson. Um, shameless plug, but yeah, big sis. 
Awesome. We'll definitely uh, reach out. How's she doing now um, after graduating? Oh, she's she's got one more year. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Um, she has a sixth year of eligibility because, well, if you interview her, you'll find out all this information, but she has a sixth year. So she's playing this year and she graduates at the end of this year because her program was two years. So that's pretty people, awesome. So who knows what what'll be up with Denver this year? But yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess. I don't know. Do would you want to face them at some point? Because oh, we I are. Facing that, each other. Oh, you are. That's cool. That's cool. Um, March 17th. Mark it on your calendars. I'm assuming a lot of the McPhersons are going to be in the stands for that one as well. <laughs> yes, I hope so. My parents actually live, they still live in Africa. So they're going to come. I I hopefully think they're going to fly out for that game because, you know, it's iconic. We've never played against each other, like in season at least. So it's going to be crazy. <laughs> well, definitely we'll circle that one on the calendars. That would be a good yeah. game, not just for because from your two's perspective, but obviously both Stanford and uh Denver are going to be two teams that are going to have a chance to make the tournament. So that should be a lot of fun and mean a lot for uh, the RPI rankings and all that stuff. So um, Madison, though, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. It means a lot. I think you're a great player and an even better person. And uh, it was really such an honor for me to get the chance to interview one of my favorite players to watch. So I appreciate you doing this for me. It truly means a lot to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so fun.